Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. We are weak, but He is strong. Hi, I'm Kevin Biltman, your host and recovering burned-out pastor who's here to share with you sermons and songs from friends of mine that I hope will be a blessing to you. Today's message is from Pastor Ben Johnson. All right. Well, hey, this is the last week of this stewardship series, and we've been looking again, as I mentioned, at this verse in 1 Thessalonians, this deep, deep truth that this is the will of God for our lives. That no matter your age, you could be three days old or 93 years old, this is what God is going to be doing in your life. The amount of conversations I have with people of, you know, what, what's God doing? What's, the, what's his will for me? What's his plan? Where are we going? All of this. And I go, and I said, I don't know if this is what you want to hear, but God cares a lot more about your character than your circumstances. And he will even allow us to be placed into circumstances if that circumstance is going to refine our faith, refine our trust, refine our dependence on him as God. Paul says this is what God's going to be doing in your life. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He says that you will be the kind of person with the kind of character that rejoices always, that's dependent upon me, praying to me without cease, and also one who in all circumstances is giving thanks for what I've done for them. Right? So we're going to be jumping into this topic of thankfulness. We're going to do it through the text of Colossians 3. So if you have your Bible, you have a device, open it on up to Colossians chapter 3. Right? When people ask, they'll be like, hey, what's your, one of your, what's your favorite thing in the Bible? I'm like, oh, gee, I don't know. I go, but I will say I, I end up giving them Colossians 3. Because I feel if you have like one of the Gospels and you got Colossians 3, you got plenty to chew on for the rest of your life. Right? Because it's one thing to read something and it's another thing to live it. Right? And Colossians 3 is just an absolute backbone of who we are in Christ. Now, Colossians 3 was written by Paul to this group of Christians in Colossae, and he wrote it to them while he was sitting in a Roman prison cell. All right, now I wouldn't recommend Googling a Roman prison cell before you eat, but they were bad. The Romans had the tendency of wanting to make public examples of anyone that disobeyed the law. So their prison cells oftentimes were right in public places. Right? So think of it like a, like, like, like a manhole cover on the street. They would just dig a pit and then they'd put them down there so that everyone could see them. So you know, don't mess with the Romans. And number two, it was psychological on the prisoner because they're like, there's my freedom, but I'll never get there. And also, it was the sewer. So, just saying. It was not, he was not in a good circumstance. This is not where you want to end up. Now, I'm not saying he was, at, he was in that bit. I'm just saying that was one of their prison cells. And I'm guessing it just was, it wasn't good for him. And in that moment, Paul is empowered by the Spirit to not look at his circumstance, but instead to choose thankfulness for this group of believers. And he goes, man, i got to write them a letter. I need to write them a letter. I need to say thank you. I need to give some instruction. Right? He even says earlier in Colossians, rejoice in my suffering. 
I build this up in my body for you. I'm doing this for you. I want to show you that it's not about your circumstances. It's about the spirit of life within you working through you, primarily communicated as thankfulness. So Colossians 3 starts out with a reminder to these Christians of who they are, who they belong to. So the first four verses are verses of identity, of belonging. He starts it out by saying, If then you have been raised with Christ, meaning you have been baptized, you believe, you're a follower, you've been united to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is who you are. We just sang about it. This is who you are. Right? This is who you are. We sang about it to God, and he's saying it right back at us. Let me remind you who you are. Now, as that person, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. Don't set your minds on things of this earth. For you, read this with me, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. This is a deep spiritual truth. we got to talk about it. This is deep. Here's the reality of what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. It means the sum total of who you are is bound up in the resurrected Jesus Christ. That you have died. Your old self, your sinful self, earthly in you, has died. And, and now your, your, your true self, your resurrected self, it says is hidden in Jesus Christ. This word hidden, it, oh, it's powerful. It, in the Greek, it's a perfect passive, which meant it's something that happened then that has ongoing impact now and will continue to have ongoing impact. Right? So like, like my marriage vows. Twelve years ago, I made the vows then, and today they hold the same weight and power as they did then. Right? And 10 years from now, same, 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 same. Because I made a promise that until death parts us, I will be faithful. That is a perfect passive. Something that happened then with ongoing impact today. So the word hidden, your life is hidden in Christ. Perfect passive, meaning it happened then, and that truth is true now and will continue to be true of you until the day that you appear in glory with Jesus. No longer hidden. Now you see. Now you see. Right? This goes for everyone. Every single one of us. You're in here and you're five years old. You're 15. You're 25, 35, 40. It doesn't matter your age. If you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, you've been baptized into his name, you've received the good news of the gospel into your life, this is you. Your life, right now as we speak, is hidden in the glory of Jesus Christ. So what this means, your true self, your passions, goals, values, your focus, is, is Jesus. To know Jesus is to know yourself. 
To learn about Jesus is to learn about who you are. Because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So, so if someone asks you, what are the goals of your life? You're like, well, what are the goals of Jesus? What are the values of life? Well, what are the values of Jesus? What's your focus of life? Well, what did Jesus focus on? And there is a symbiotic relationship between you and Christ who lives in you. And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. He's making you a little Christ. Christian. That's all that means. Mini Christ. Little Christ. That's who you are. So Paul says, set your minds on things above, not on things of this earth. Set your minds on that. Right? I was listening to a psychologist and she was talking about the brain's orientating system on attention and focus. She was talking about how what you set your mind on, what you focus on, you are privileging the content of that thing. So she likened our brain's orientating system to that of a flashlight. That at any given time, we are setting our minds on what we are privileging the content. We're focusing on that thing and we're saying, I want that to have influence over me. And it will influence our emotions and our thoughts. It will influence how we see life and our focus. What we orientate our lives on, right? And I'm being very careful not to blind anyone, right? Saturday night, I decided to shine this in my eyes. Couldn't see for about 45 seconds. That was a decision to make. Right? What we focus on has power over us. We've seen this happen. Over these, these past two years have been weird. And we've seen it happen. And, and, and there's a continuation of this where, where the effect on the mind of what people are focusing on. You know, over, over these last two years, you see people as you interact with them and with minds set on certain things. You know, they could have gotten their mind, their minds are locked and loaded on, on political matters. And man, they are, they are channeling their brain's orientating system on that. And you see the effects on them emotionally, psychologically. Or maybe it was during the pandemic and all the issues that came out with that. And we just locked and loaded. Because what do we do, right? They were like, go home. Well, what do we do when we go home? We do what we always do. We just get on a screen. Right? And then all of a sudden, you're just sitting here, you know, with this, and then you're just like, this is when I did it on Saturday. I got to be careful, right? And you're just sitting here like this. And you're privileging, you know, we giggle. We giggle when we read the stats of how many hours we spend on screens. You know, they show it at the rate at which people spend on social media platforms TikTok, Reddit, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram you know, Snapchat and whatever else they're going to create. And we kind of giggle on it, but it is powerful. And we're seeing the psychological ramifications, right? I, 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 I was listening to this study they were having, and they said that, that they're, this is documented. Docu this, is, this is science before us. They're saying that, that the, 
that the brain's development is altered when people use social media, especially at a young developmental age. In the same way, the chemical balance of the mind changes as that of using any other drug. That one of the worst things you can do as a parent is allow a child under the age with a developing mind to have access to social media. They're openly talking about this. Because it's been around long enough and now we can study it. And the not good. Not good. You know all the developers of the social media sites, they won't allow any of their kids to have it. What does that tell you about it? But yet we spend hours... What do you think that's doing? When we set our minds on things of thirst, and it could have been that, but then it's the content coming in. Could have been pandemic or politics, fear over world events, anxieties over what this means for my family, my relationships, my loved ones, worry or doubt about the future. And you see it, you see it. And the way people speak to one another, how they relate to one another, things people fight about, what they're passionate about. You know? I think the most frustrating part over this whole thing was just watching civility dissolve out of our society. That we just lost this ability to talk to one another. I don't, you don't have to agree, but we carry around this club, which is like, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And then if you, if you come against that, it's like, no, I'm right, bah, bah, bah. And you just beat them down. You're like, see, I'm right. And, you know, I, I teach this all the time when I do counseling or premarital or whatever it is. I'm like, man, if you enter into a conflict resolution situation and your goal is to be right, you've already lost. You're, it's over. Because the goal of healthy conflict resolution is understanding. Understanding where I'm coming from. I want to understand where you're coming from. That takes listening, empathy, compassion. Right? It's like over the last two years, we just forgot. We're Christians. You might be in this world, but you're not of it. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You've you got Jesus Christ living in your body, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. You are the gospel. It's who we are. We have died and our life is hidden in Christ and solely live to glorify Christ. And if we search in any other nook and cranny trying to figure out who I am and what I'm about, you'll always come up bankrupt. Always come up bankrupt. It'll never suffice. You'll never have peace. Belonging. See, this directly connects with a life of thankfulness. So Paul says in, in verses 5 through 11, he's got this list of things where he's saying, man, you got to put these things to death. Get rid of them. That's of your old self. It's not of your new self. And he says this, put to death. Get rid of then what is earthly in you. Things like sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Right? In these you once walked, not anymore. Right? 
Put them away. Get rid of them. Like telling a child, knock it off. Put it down. That's not who you are. Right? Get rid of your anger, your wrath, your malice, your slander. Upseen talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. See that you've put off the old self with its practices. You've put on your new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of Jesus, your creator. Right? So he's saying get rid of it. Here's a perfect analogy for this, okay? So I remember in my first year of marriage, my first year of marriage, I didn't realize what an update to my wardrobe I needed. Right? I think most guys might relate to this. And if you don't relate, you might need an update right now. But I remember getting married. And, and, uh, and I didn't know like the difference between work jeans and dress jeans. Uh, apparently, if there's a loop for a hammer or pockets, and if you can buy them at Menards, they're not acceptable on a date, is what I was told. Right? <laughs> And, we, and it was just this constant, you know, you come walking out, you're thinking, oh, I did it, you know. And then, and it's, and it, my wife is so loving and she's so great. And it was just this real kind of mild, uh, is that what you're wearing? Yeah? Like, that's kind of the best you got right now? You know, this is a good, nice restaurant, you know. Just kind of that. And I was like, what? Yeah, I've had this for 10 years. My favorite polo. Yeah, it looks like it. What's wrong with my jeans, right? As a cell phone holder. This, this continued until finally, I'm like, you know what? You always look good. Make me look good. So I gave her carte blanche on the wardrobe. Some of you guys right now are, don't go any further. I'm like, it was good. I don't want to do this anymore. I said, I want you to go in my closet. I want you to get rid of anything that's old, outdated, doesn't look at whatever it is. All right? You do it. Go for it. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. I don't care this much. I don't care. So she went in there. 80% of my wardrobe. 80%. Gone. I'm like, what am I going to wear? She goes, we're going shopping. Now, I was in school. She was working full time. So basically, my sugar mama took me shopping. I'm like, yeah, let's go. I needed it. My old wardrobe didn't work for the new me, for the, this, this life. Needed an update. All right, now I'm going to win some serious brownie points. I'm going to liken my wife to the Holy Spirit. Because what it means to be a Christian is opening up the wardrobe of your heart and saying, Holy Spirit, go for it. Take out anything that's of my old self to make room for the new. Take out the things that are not of me so that I can be like, I, need, I, I want to be of the kingdom. I want to be of of you, Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, you got carte blanche on my wardrobe of life. My heart is open. You get rid of it. Because I think sometimes what we do is, is what I was doing before. I'm like, uh, you can have this polo. Uh, these jeans. And we, we, we hand select things that we're willing to part with. And then all of a sudden, they're like, well, what about your high school sweatshirt? And you're like, uh-uh. Yeah, it needs to go. 
No. Yes. No. Yes. No. And you can wrestle with God all day, but here's the deal. What God is doing in each and every one of your life is He's coming into the wardrobe of your heart and going, I want that. Give me your anger. Give me your money. Give me the control of your children. I want your retirement. Come on, give me the keys to the car, man. I want your home. Right? I want your sexuality. It's not yours. I want your marriage. I want your future. I want it all. I want it all. Give me your heart. Give me your life. Open it up to me. You've been keeping me on the sideline for long enough and it's showing. You're tired. You're worn out. You're anxious. You're fearful. Give it. Open. Paul says, Clothe yourself in this. Make room for this. That's what he's saying in verses 12 to 17. He says, put on then. Clothe yourself as God's chosen ones. You are holy. You are beloved. Here's your new wardrobe. Compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility. Meekness. Patience. Bear with one another. If you have a complaint against someone, fry them. No. Forgive them. Why? Because the Lord forgave you. Forgive. And above all of these, your new favorite sweatshirt is love. Sacrificial love. Deep and abiding love. And it will unify you and bond you together in harmony and unity. And you'll be able to hold loose to the things of this world as you hold tightly to the love I've given to you. And you give that love away to other people. And you will allow the peace of Christ to rule, reign, have sovereign power in your life. This is what you were called to. What are the last three words? Be thankful. Be thankful. See, the more you understand Jesus, the more thankful you become. Because how could an amazing God like that love, love this? Why would he want to redo your wardrobe? Now he's not done. That's just verse 15. Let's go to 16. He says this, Now let the Word of Christ, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Meaning read the Word, study the Word, sing the Word, be about the Word with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do, do, Everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Anytime Paul's going to repeat verse 15, verse 16, verse 17, that many times he's saying the primary way that you display that your life is founded and lived through the good news of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, is in your thankfulness. It's being thankful. It's the when the peace of Christ is ruling your heart, 
you will be thankful. If you're not thankful, gracious, having gratitude, the real question is then, is what are you orientated on? What are you fixed on? What have you set your mind on? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Thankfulness has power. It has power. Thankfulness can lead us to hold loose to what we don't agree with, to hold tight to the truth of who Jesus is. Throughout Scripture, Jesus would often see people of great faith and highlight them. He would, he would, Mary would come and wash his feet and he would say, wherever the gospel is told, your story will be told. He loved doing it. I've never seen such great faith. He would spotlight people. He'd highlight them. There's a power in that. This last week was a really hard week for our community at Gloria Day. One of our dear sisters, dear friends, Jessica Kramer, Jesus brought her home. She battled with cancer for 15 years. Now when we moved here from California, it was the first time my wife and I, we could buy a house. Alright, that was not something we were planning to do in California. And if you see the real estate market out there, not a good choice. Alright, we got out here and, and we got linked up with Jessica Kramer and we're like, hey. And uh, the second house she showed to us is the house we're living in. Since then, my, my sister-in-law moved here, and she got a house. My in-laws moved here. They got a house. And one of these times, my in-laws were coming from New York. So we were doing real estate over FaceTime. Don't recommend that. <laughs> but one of these times, we're doing a, a showing, and I was talking with Jess. And I said, all right, if this is too personal, I want you to let me know. All right, but, but I got to ask you. And she's like, what's that? And I said, how do you do it? How do, you, how do you go about life? And, and, and that this thing is not like just a, a big thing all the time. Like, how do you do that? Like, do you know what I'm saying? And she was like, I, I know what you're asking. It's not like, and in and, and total Jessica version, it was, she's always matter of fact. She's like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you. You're never prepared when God's about to knock your knees out. But this was a moment for me. She said, literally, she said this. She goes, at the beginning, it was very hard. She goes, but I realized that my complaining, my grumbling, or my whining, it wasn't going to fix the situation, so I, I needed to choose my attitude. And she goes, I realized I was given a gift. She said, we all know that we're going to die, but not many of us know when. I decided that until Jesus brought me home, I was going to live. I was going to do what I love to do. I'm going to raise my girls to love Jesus and each other, and I'm going to be thankful for the blessings around me while I can be thankful for them. I just chose to truly live. In all the years I knew her, I never heard her whine or complain or grumble. Or treat someone else poorly for the situation she was in. She was this odd mixture of always put together, but honest. 
She was refined through years of suffering. Refined. She knew who she was. She knew what she was about. And she loved hard. And it showed up because she was so thankful of anyone on earth that I would give permission to grumble and complain and not be thankful, it would be her. But no, she set her mind on things above. She set her mind on Jesus. She was faithful and available. She was open. And it showed in her life. Let me, I'm going to back that story up with unbelievable story. Last Sunday was her funeral. Hard day for all of us. On Monday... I get home from work. My wife gets home. We're playing in the front yard. My wife goes and gets the mail. She comes over. She goes, well, you're not going to believe this. And I go, what's that? She goes, Jessica sent us a letter. And I was like, how? <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, what? Like, and so in my mind, I go, this is, this is crazy. So I'm like, uh, it's probably like one of those real estate mailers or something like that, you know. So, I'm gonna, and then, so my wife opens it up instantly, gets all teary-eyed, and she's like, hands it to me. See, here's what happened. The week, the prior week, as, as we were leading up to when Jesus brought her home, there was a meal train, and so people were bringing over food. So my wife brought over a lasagna. And got to talk to her and, and hang out for a little bit. In the final three or four days that she was with us on earth, with the limited strength that she had, she wrote us a thank you note. Simple. Thank you for the lasagna. Thank you for your friendship. Powerful, simple, powerful. It didn't, it was the intention, it's, it's a heart that looks out and it sees through the eyes of Christ. And it sees people. It sees people. It sees right to the heart of it and it says, I'm thankful. She knew in a short while I'm going to be free of my suffering. She knew in a short while she was going to be home with Christ and what was hidden will be seen. She knew that. But while she was on earth, she chose to truly live. And what to truly live meant to her was to be thankful and to tell people, not to leave it on the table. She'd tell them, thank you. I'm gracious, I'm grateful. She took any opportunity she can just to be with people, to live, truly live. No matter the situation or circumstance, we can live that kind of thankful life. We can choose what we're going to aim our lives at, what we're going to focus on, what we're going to prioritize. We can choose through the power of the Holy Spirit to put to death what is old Adam in us, what is old wardrobe. Say, that's not me. That's not who I am. And to say, Holy Spirit, clothe me in the qualities of Christ. 
We can choose to hold loose to the annoyances of this world. Thankfulness starts. Gratitude starts with a setting of your mind on the things above, of orientating your life onto the truth of the Gospel. To the reality of our loving God, the creation He's given us, the people He's placed around us. And then every day, every hour, every minute is an opportunity to be thankful. And the way that I see what God is doing is, you know, our our life starts kind of broad. We can't really see. And as we pay attention, there's a sense of a focus that starts to happen. As we orientate our lives on on the truth of the love of Jesus for us. I pray that each and every one of you would choose a simple, thankful, gracious life. That you treat others the way Jesus Christ has treated you. That you prioritize His love. Prioritize the kingdom. Talk to Him. Read Him. Be stirred by Him. Be open. Because the byproduct of that is a life of Joy and peace and patience and kindness. It's a new wardrobe that, be honest, man, this world needs. They need you. Jesus loves you. He trusts you. And they need you. Shine the light of your love and faith in this darkened world. Be an example of the love and power of Jesus Christ. And may we carry on the legacy that was so displayed to us in Jessica embody that in our own spirit and take it out to the world. Amen? Normally I share songs from other friends of mine, but I've been pretty busy at my new ministry here in Arizona to follow up on my requests from my fellow songwriter friends. So I will again share with you a song that I wrote. Actually, I didn't write the words, just the music. The words are word for word an English translation of Luther's morning prayer, which goes like this. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. The music I wrote is probably a little peppier than what you might expect for this kind of text, but I think of it as a wake-up song. In fact, I listened to this song often when I was preparing for a triathlon to motivate me, especially the part where it says, For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. I thank you, my heaven.